Welcome to the In Doubt Podcast, where we explore the challenging topics that young adults often face. Each week, we talk with guests who help answer questions of faith, life, and culture, connecting them to our daily experiences and God's Word. For more info on In Doubt, visit indoubt.ca or indoubt.com. Hey, welcome to In Doubt. My name is Isaac. I'm one of the hosts of the show, as well as a pastor at North Valley Baptist Church in Mission, British Columbia. Well, with me on the show today is a returning guest. Her name is Andrea Tom. Andrea is a wife, mother, therapist, and she is an author. Once again, it's great to have you on the show with us, Andrea. Thank you so much. It's lovely to be back. Um, For those who didn't get a chance to listen to our previous conversation, I'm just wondering if you could kind of share with us briefly, again, how you came to know Jesus, what life looks like, uh, right now, uh, where God has you, just so that people can kind of have understand a little bit of the personality behind your voice. Yes, no problem. I did grow up in a Christian home, and so my faith originally was very much influenced by Sunday school teachers, parents, uh, grandparents, all of those really early formative influences that you have on your life in those early days. Um, later, though, it was when in, in my tween years that I really understood the cost associated with following Jesus, uh, his lordship in my life, and my need to um, really just give my life fully all in and surrender to him. And so that's when I really would say that my faith got legs and I started to understand um, how he really will work in and through me powerfully to display his glory. Um, I've become very passionate about evangelism and about um, discipleship as well, coming alongside other people and helping them to know Jesus and helping them understand his word and and the relevance of um, that to their lives right now. And that's largely what I'm involved with uh, work-wise. I was a, a therapist in the past, but I've had that on hold lately in the last little bit uh, in order to really just focus in on writing and speaking um, in a more uh, Christ-centered way in a ministry kind of area. Oh, that's so good. And and just as an encouragement to those listening as well, that like, um, it's just so cool to hear from your testimony that you really were grabbed by by the Lord and able to recognize the cost of discipleship at such a young age, which is just so, I, I think, critical for young people to hear. And history is just full of those that understood the cost of discipleship and took it at a young age. So you don't just have to go along with, with the world. You can actually live for, for Christ at a young age. That's so good. So anyways, today we're going to jump into a biblical topic that is very important, and it, I feel like it's always popular. So I think when you go to Christian bookstores, there usually is a book on this topic that's on the best selling because it is something that we struggle with and love at the same time. It's just this love-hate relationship and it it pertains to our relationships and that topic is forgiveness. Forgiveness. So maybe to launch us into this conversation, uh, Andrea, could you just help us define and describe what forgiveness is? Because I think it can be one of those words like love, like Jesus or whatever that is so used that we forget the meaning because it's used in so many different ways. So yeah, what is forgiveness? Yeah, it's a really good question. It's a really universal human topic because if you're a person who interacts with even one other person, then you're a person who's going to need to both extend it and and receive it at some point. So it's uh, super impactful in everyone's lives. And, and you're right, it's such a familiar definition, but there's so much difference even within Christian culture about how you actually define it. So it's a fair point. How do you actually define it biblically? What I would say is a very common understanding of forgiveness is what I would call a feelings-based forgiveness. Um, Other terms for that kind of thing would be a, a, a therapeutic kind of forgiveness or a rehabilitative kind of forgiveness. 
So the emphasis here is on my emotions. It's the healing of me. So the idea goes that I have some kind of conflict with someone. And so I feel inner hostility, inner resentment, bitterness, something negative. And if I forgive them, it means that I've resolved those issues. Perhaps if it's a Christian counselor who's talking to you, maybe they say through the power of Jesus' work and, and moving of the Holy Spirit, we resolve those negative issues and they turn to peace and harmony. Um, forgiveness doesn't mean that you forget what's happened or excuse what's happened uh, or say that it's okay in any way, but you're just making a choice to not hang on to the negative energy anymore so you can move forward freely. So there's some good stuff in there. Uh, but what I would say is that there is a more biblical understanding of forgiveness, and it shows how that more feelings-based is a bit incomplete. If we really look at the Word of God, we see that forgiveness is actually conditional on repentance. And the goal of it is to have reconciliation between two people. So our emotional harmony may be a wonderful byproduct, but the ultimate goal is that it's a transaction. So if you almost want to picture um, a house with a person in it behind a closed front door, and then there's another person on the other side outside of that door, forgiveness is someone coming to the, like the, the thing that's between them that is stopping relationship is that closed door. It's some kind of conflict. Sin has happened here. So the person on the outside who's the sinner, it means they have to come and ask for repentance and forgiveness is a verb. It's not a feeling. It's a verb. It's an application of, yes, I forgive you when that person repents. It's an opening of that door that leads to community again. It leads to reconciliation again. It leads to us again. So feelings-based is the healing of me. Biblical forgiveness is the healing of us. And that is really much more of a, a model of what Christ did for us, right? Like we were drawn to repentance and he applied forgiveness to, to us. And, and what's the result? We are reconciled to him. We have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit and we have uh, the opportunity to live with him as co-heirs to his kingdom forever. So it's much more reflective of what he did he did for us and it encourages healing within community rather than just healing within me yeah no that that's that's a lot there's lots to think about there so i i'm glad you're able to kind of stretch that out and and detail that and i think what's important to hear there too what caught my attention was the the fact that forgiveness is is it's a verb you know it's not it's not that feeling of like oh now i'm you know i'm you know there's been such a long time since when you hurt me and now i'm starting to feel like it's okay now and then i forgive you now but forgiveness is is a verb and that kind of puts into perspective too when peter asks jesus you know how often do i need to forgive you know my brother when he you know continues to sin like sin against me over and over and over again um yes. Because obviously the feeling there is like, I don't want to forgive him anymore. He's just totally, yes. you know, uh, but then Jesus says, you know, 70 times, seven times, like it basically always, just always forgive. Just boundless amount. Boundless amounts of forgiveness, right? Which that means it can't be feelings based because that just, none of us are that strong to have those strong feelings like that. We have, it has to be a verb. Yeah. Yeah. 
That's so good. Um, so maybe the next thing we can ask, and I know you've already dipped into a little bit in your uh, in your description of, of forgiveness, but maybe we can get into a little bit more detail. When we do face conflict in our in our relationships, and all of us do, um, if you are listening right now and you're married, then that's going to be a reality. Um, and if you're listening right now and you're you know not just <laughs> you have friendships and and connections with people, then conflict will be a reality. So what are some of the things that we generally do in response to conflict? Not necessarily the right things, but what are some things that you've observed uh, that we, we generally tend to, tend to do when we come to conflict? Yeah, well, we're going to have some reaction that has to do with peace. We're either going to fight peace, we're going to fake peace, or we're going to make peace. <laughs> and we probably can see all of those things in ourselves at different times, but maybe some of us have more of a tendency to one pattern than another. Um, so if we fight peace, um, this is the kind of reaction that's very attack-based. It's very punitive. Uh, so people here are using intimidation to get what they want. Uh, maybe they're so upset over whatever conflict has happened. They, they withdraw affection, withdraw intimacy, dirty looks, this kind of thing. So it's, it's not a teachable attitude that they ha- take any responsibility for the situation. It's very defensive. It's very loud. It's very attack-based. Um, and usually caused by a a deep wound that they feel. But if they're reacting in that way, clearly the situation is just going to be made worse and not better through that kind of response. Um, Another kind of response we can have is to to fake it. So this can mean if we are the sinner, we've been the one who's messed up, we can rationalize our guilt we can downplay it so we feel better we're really not bringing it to light our sin or we can um, if we're hurt we can deny that we're really hurt we it's fine it's no problem but really we're just raging inside Um, so these are kind of reactions that are very passive aggressive it's a phony kind of exterior and it really is not helpful because eventually that negative emotion is going to bubble up in in some other way um, and both of those responses, regardless of where you find yourself, what, what they do is, is they deny that the power and presence of Jesus has the ability now to actually transform a relationship, to actually move us to peace. Um, and what we want to do is have Jesus be the peacemaker in this relationship um, so that we can have that reconciliation to one another like we just talked about. Yeah, you know, that's so good. And and kind of realizing that point uh, that Jesus is the peacemaker and he's the one, because of what he has done, he's the one that's able to create and make peace amongst conflict, especially between Christians. I, I thought about this, I think, uh, maybe a year or so ago, and I never really thought about it this way before, but I was thinking about conflict between two genuine Christians, a brother and sister in Christ or two brothers in Christ or whatever. And when one is holding out on forgiveness from someone else, uh, especially a Christian, I thought about it. And I said, they really have no grounds to have anything against them because all of their sin, even the sin that they sinned against you has been paid by Christ already. So God has looked upon them and has forgiven them completely. And I just thought about it. I was like, well, and if I'm saying, well, they deserve whatever, I need to get revenge for them because of this sin they did. I just imagine God looking down and saying, well, I don't see that, you know, I mean, it's just an illustration in, in one sense. Um, obviously, they, there's still consequences for sin. I understand that. But I think that was just kind of helpful for me to consider to think, okay, there, I have no real like, you know, heaven courtroom grounds 
to hold out on forgiveness from this person because the holy God of the universe has already counted them as righteous. So it's, it's interesting to think about. When we, when we do engage conflict, though, what would you give then as the best response? And obviously it is forgiveness, but maybe walk us through what that looks like to best respond when we come up against uh, conflict with someone else. Well, I think we um, sometimes are taken back by conflict, but knowing that we are human sinners and we w- work in a world, live in a world with human sinners, we, we need to expect it. You know, and sometimes uh, we shouldn't be caught off guard. Um, and so if we're anticipating it, then we can anticipate our response, prepare a response as well, that I am going to use conflict that is going to come as an opportunity to display the forgiveness of Jesus Christ, right? To, to kind of intention that as a thought ahead of time. Um, and I think that when we are struggling, the best thing to do is to take the focus off of ourselves and put it onto God. That as we think about him, as we think about Christ and his life and work and all that he did, he became sin. The creator God of the universe became sin who knew no sin that I might become the righteousness of God. I, I mean, that just makes us bow. And as we bow, we the focus is not on ourselves; it's on him. And we're compelled to pay that love forward to someone else. So that starting point of focusing on him, maybe revisiting the the good old gospel message that we think is that stuffy thing we don't need to revisit, um, looking at that again um, and the power of who God is and what he really has done, it, it really the Bible talks a lot about how if there is a disconnect between receiving forgiveness and extending it forward, it just as you talked about, there is something wrong there. It's that parable of the guy who, you know, was released of his great debt and yet held his servant right. for much little without mercy. There's lots of kind of illustrations of that. Um, so we need to, yeah, think seriously about what it means about our own our own faith and uh, communion with God if we're unwilling to do that. Yeah, for sure. And uh, you basically, and that answered my next question, which was, what is the gospel, which you just said what it was and how that impacts our forgiveness. And one of the things that, you know, you kind of mentioned there was that we can really use forgiveness as an evangelistic tool too, because when someone sins against us and we extend that forgiveness, it should kind of um, shock them. Like, wait, what, you're forgiving me? You know, and then you're, and here's why I'm able to forgive you. I remember down in, um, uh, I might be getting the name of the place wrong, but Charlotte, Charlottetown, I think this was back in 2013 where there was the massacre in the church mm-hmm. where that young guy went in and, and shot and killed um, many different people praying in the church. And I remember one of the relatives of one of those that died forgave him, you know, on national TV, forgave. And uh, I can just imagine lots of people thinking, oh man, that lady that forgave that guy, is she's crazy. Like, how could you forgive such a heinous, terrible act, you know? And it, it's just a beautiful, uh, a beautiful thing. And we, that's not the only story in the news that we've seen Christians do that on public television with those that have really hurt them. So it, it can be used as evangelistic tool. So to think it that way, here's a way for people to know the, the forgiveness of Jesus. That's so good. As we be, actually begin to even slowly wrap up our conversation, I want us to consider some common questions um, about forgiveness that people might, might have. And the first one is, can we forgive God? And is there even... Uh, realities where people feel like they they need to forgive God. So yeah, maybe think about that a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I actually have come across this in Christian books, uh, the idea of forgiving God. And uh, I think that the notion of that is if you have a feelings-based definition of forgiveness and some kind of tragedy has beset you, you could be angry at God 
You know, you could be angry at him for allowing that to happen in your life. And so under a feelings-based definition of forgiveness, if you resolve that anger towards him and are now um, loving him again, then you, I guess, have forgiven God. That's, that's, I think, generally how that question is justified within a, you know, with by a Christian author, say. However, knowing the biblical view of forgiveness, we know that repentance precedes the application of forgiveness and it leads to restoration. So now it becomes impossible for us to forgive God because it implies that there's something that he needs to repent for. It implies that he has been a sinner. It implies that we need to apply forgiveness to him, which is completely right. not the biblical model of what we see in scripture. Yeah, yeah. No, that's good. Um, you know, it's interesting. Just I'm just thinking about these questions that are so practical. Um, you have to dig into the theology to to really mm -hmm. grasp them. So that's so yeah. important. Um, another one is how do we forgive ourselves? So I think this is huge in a me-centered culture. One of the effects of me-centered culture is that whenever we do something that's wrong, we can then start beating ourselves up and, and struggle with forgiving ourselves. And but again, is that even a is that even a reality that we should be engaging in? Yeah, talk to us about that. How do we forgive ourselves? Mm -hmm. Well, I think that guilt actually can be a gift, and the Holy Spirit uses uh, that to bring us to conviction in order to release us from it, so we can move on. Satan will take that guilt and he wants to trap us there in that shame. So we need to, when we feel that guilt, see that if it, determine whether it's real or not, but we can run to Jesus. And as you've talked about, we can be released from that if we, uh, through the application of his blood and his resurrection. Um, I remember R.C. Sproul, a podcast I heard of his, and he was talking about how he was trapped in shame from something that he did. And he went to a mentor of his to try and work through those feelings. And his mentor said to him, 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. And I guess R.C.'s response was, I get it. I've heard that verse a million times, but I don't feel that. And so the response back was, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. And they bantered back for several minutes, I suppose, in this discussion, point being, sometimes our feelings can trump our theology <laughs> and we need to make sure that our theology is preaching to our emotions. And if we say that we are still in shame and we're still deserving that, what you're saying really is that Jesus' life and work was not sufficient for you. It's sufficient for everybody else, but it, it wasn't big enough in its application for me. And that's the beauty is that regardless of who is listening and how magnificently bad your sin is, if you confess your sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us or sin. This is the promise that we can hold to even when our emotions take a little bit longer to catch up. So how that's so good. And how would you counsel uh, a young adult who is struggling with shame for something they may they've done or whatever and they do honestly and genuinely confess to the lord but those feelings are still there mm -hmm. um how how would you counsel them through that would it just be a you know just move on and just they'll fade away or yeah how would you counsel someone because I'm, I'm i'm sure like all of us can struggle with this Mm -hmm. What I have done in similar situations is just take them to uh, the Word of God and look at some biblical texts that speak to that. 
I think the story of Joseph is an excellent uh, story to speak about forgiveness. Um, here he has his brothers who have human trafficked him. I mean, he has had everything go wrong in his life that could possibly go wrong. And here his brothers, they come and repent and he does apply forgiveness. But what is also true is that he is crying so loudly in the other room that everyone can hear him. Like he is just so emotionally devastated over this. And so helping people see that the resolution of emotions, just like that, it's actually very biblically normal uh, to happen, to see the normalcy in some other biblical characters as they work through their forgiveness, and then just continuing to work through other stories that apply forgiveness in different ways. And I think the power of the living and active Word of God as you continue to work through those, and there's Bible studies that even specifically focus on just repeating forgiveness through different lenses that will transform you little by little. And I would say too, like as you process in community, if there's something more specifically that that person is struggling with to let go, maybe there's something that more that needs to happen. Maybe they do need to have a conversation with someone practical to that particular situation that we can't talk about in a podcast, but as you are in community with that specific person in that specific situation, you can say, you know what, we do need to practically do some other things here to help this reconciliation process move forward. Yeah, no, that's so good. One other question here, just a common question would be the what is the unforgivable sin? So if you're around in Christian circles, you may have heard of the unforgivable sin. Um, Firstly, where does that even come from? And then, yeah, maybe we can help us with that question. Yeah, well, this is mentioned in Matthew 12 in the Gospels, and that's, uh, you know, there are some sins that are unforgivable. And so that makes us all panic because, uh uh-oh, do I have that? I don't want to, you know, have the unforgivable sin. But what is happening there is this, uh, this part of Scripture is speaking to people who saw Jesus' miracles and yet still refused to believe that he was the anticipated Messiah. In fact, it went even further. They were accusing him of performing miracles in the power of Satan. So the unforgivable sin then is, the point of it is that it's a warning for those who refuse to believe in him, even in the face of clear evidence. The, there was a hardness of heart there. There was an unwillingness to repent there and turn to Jesus. And without repentance, as we've seen in the biblical definition of forgiveness, there is no forgiveness. So it's the sin of uh, a lack of repentance, a sin of unbelief. Okay. Yeah, that's helpful. And, you know, as you say that, it just, I'm just, I'm just reading a, a book that kind of tries to, you know, answer the question of, you know, what happens to people that never hear about Jesus. And the the author, and that's a heavy topic. We could talk all about that. Or yeah. There's many conversations we could talk about that. Uh, but this author just really plainly goes through what, you know, Romans is a, a storyline to go through and saying that, you know, in the first chapter of Romans, it's, it's clear that all people, they know God. They choose not to know God um, in many ways. So in one sense, you could say the unforgivable sin is applied to all people because they choose to dishonor and to not thank God who obviously um, has shown himself to them in by his eternal power and divine nature. So yeah, it's, it's, it's a heavy reality and we need to uh, do all we can to bring, bring the gospel to others. Maybe as a last question before we wrap up here, Andrea, would be this. If someone's listening right now, um, whether um, a young adult guy or, or girl, 
And maybe through this, they they have that person in the back of their mind right now who they are holding out on forgiveness for because of whatever they have done. Maybe it was a guardian that abused them growing up. Maybe it's a, a girlfriend or boyfriend that has been very you know bad to them or, or whatever it may be. Um, whether it's very heavy or maybe even a little bit not heavy, but still it's on their heart. What's something right now as they listen, what's one thing that you could just encourage them to to do, something that they can apply to their lives today that could put them on the road to biblical forgiveness? Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a couple of things coming to mind here. And one is just springing boarding off of what you've just mentioned, some of the unspeakable abuses that people have had. As we speak about forgiveness, maybe it's helpful to just say that Um, You know, some people have encountered evil in their lives that is so egregious, a nonchalant discussion about forgiveness almost seems offensive because no one gets what evil that is that they've unspeakably had to go through. And so a nonchalant kind of discussion doesn't at all mean to minimize the pain of that or suggest that it's easy. And so we want to come at this topic. I mean, sometimes if I've spoken about this topic, the tears start just at the name forgiveness. Um, and so we need to be very compassionate and really kind and tender mm-hmm. um, when we approach any kind of topic like this. And so if if the tears are starting for some listeners, uh, Jesus weeps with you. He counts what has happened to have against you as evil. Uh, forgiveness is not forgetting. It's not saying that it was okay. It's not excusing it in any way. Um, please know that, uh, but also please know that the power of the gospel is here to actually help heal even the egregious thing that you have experienced or continue to endure. Um, I think of the the man who was 38, I think it's in John 5, um, and he wants to get into the healing water, but he can't because he's uh, disabled. And so um, Jesus comes to him and he says, do you want to get well? And he says, well, I can't, I can't get myself in there. And Jesus says, get up, take up your mat and walk. He gives this man a method for healing that he has never tried, which is leaning into the words of Jesus. Um, And so that is, I think, a closing message I would have for listeners is he's, we've got a biblical definition of forgiveness outlined here in scripture. And he's asking you, even in the depths of your pain, do you want to get well? There is a process here that we can follow that will lead to restoration, um, not only with one another, but with God or whatever it is that you're struggling with right now. And it is true and it has the power to go deeper than your deepest pain. Yeah, that's so good. And thank you, Andrew, for just engaging that with sensitivity, but also with power as well. So I, I, we appreciate that. Well, that brings up the end of our conversation. Thank you again, Andrea, for taking time out of your day to talk with us. And um, again, if you are listening right now and you want to learn more about what Andrea has written, other resources that she's helped develop, then we'll provide all the information for that on the episode podcast page. But anyways, thank you, Andrea, and we hope to have you again on. Thank you so much. Pleasure to be here. Hey, thanks for joining us today. And thanks to Andrea Tom for talking with us. You can find out more about Andrea at andreatom.com. That's A-N-D-R-E-A-T-H-O-M.com. Next week on the show, Daniel talks with Julia Baisley from the Evangelical Fellowship of Canada. And they're talking about the controversial Netflix show called Cuties and the sexualization of youth. See you then. Thanks so much for listening. 
If you want to hear more, subscribe on iTunes or Spotify, or visit us online at indoubt.ca or indoubt.com. We're also on social media, so make sure to follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Hi, Ben Lowell, CEO of Back to the Bible Canada's In Doubt. You know, every week our aim is to engage young people in a conversation around matters of life and faith and culture. Most recently, our hosts Daniel and Isaac have met with Christian pastors and leaders to discuss biblical insights on sex, a conversation about the importance of human rights, and the growing dark impression pornography is making on individual lives and our society at large. These are conversations critical for young Christian adults to be involved in. For current programs or to listen in on past programs, head to indoubt.ca in Canada and indoubt.com in the U.S. And for expanded programs, sign up for the Indoubt podcast.